Welcome to the Future Work Playbook. This podcast series features founders, investors, and legal talent that will help you embrace technology and transform your organization for a better future. This series is hosted by Natalie Pierce, the chair of Gunderson Detmer's Labor and Employment Law Practice. Natalie and her guests are committed to helping you develop new playbooks to elevate your game. Hi, everyone. This is Natalie, and I'm thrilled to welcome Kadu Bongiochi, the CEO of Neoway, which is based in Brazil. Neoway was recently acquired by B3, the Brazilian stock exchange, for 1.8 billion Brazilian reais. This is part of B3 strategy to accelerate the innovation for data and analytics products. Kadu started early at Neoway on the sales team. And after nine years, nearly 10 at this point, is one of those great employees who has seen it all. He held multiple roles at Neoway, moving from customer success to COO, and then became the CEO three years ago in connection with talks about the company going public. Kadu, what a journey. Thank you for joining us. Natalie, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure being with you on this podcast. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Listen, I want to start by setting the stage for our discussion today because you really have seen the company evolve over time. And I have to say, you remind me of CEOs like Microsoft Satya Nadella, who spent several years working at and studying Microsoft to then become CEO. What is it like looking back and seeing where Neoway is today from where it started? First of all, I'm flattered that uh, you put me in the same sentence as Satya Nadella. Uh, obviously, <laughs> not even close, but uh, the stories kind of, uh, you know, go the same route. It's interesting that, you know, speaking of my you know journey specifically, obviously, is very close to the journey of the company. I'm almost, you know, 10 years in the company and I started in the customer organization. I was a customer success manager and director, uh, and it was kind of the same thing because, you know, in the early days of a startup, you don't have a lot of roles that are that clear and that specific. Right. You have budget restrictions, you know, you have low brand recognition. You wake up at 4 a.m. to travel to a remote city for very little money. You know, you're just <laughs> trying to go for the ride and you kind of enjoy it. Uh, and, and you go through some small bumps, some big bumps. And, and those small and big bumps are those bumps that define really who you are and how you tackle it how you kind of solve a problem that a customer brings because your product's not ready is how it's going to define you for the rest of your you know, life in the company. So uh, we were pretty successful in kind of uh, solving those problems and shaping the company around those problems, you know, culturally speaking, obviously product-wise and customer-wise, that really got us this far. You know? So uh, really being close to the customer and being close to the people is, is kind of really key for the success of, of any startup. Yeah, I would imagine being being close, being that close to the customers and the problems that they're experiencing early on, it seems like it should be a critical, uh, dedicated role for anyone who's looking to build and lead a company. So it, having started there, it makes perfect sense how it is that you're now leading the company. 2019, that was the year that you stepped in as CEO. How did 
you think about taking on that role, Kadu, and what were some of the first steps that you took to achieve your goals? It's interesting, Natalie. I think the the first question you asked, you know, about how kind of I shaped myself around the company is I think one of the reasons why uh, I can say my tenure has been successful as a CEO, because I think one of the first things that any CEO needs to do in the job is really have a good read on the company and its current issues and challenges. The, the CEO job doesn't come with a prescription. It's a, <laughs> It really is a company by company. It's not one of those roles where you just hire someone and, and they're fully ready because it's a technical job. It's not a technical job. Sure. So you really need to be able to understand the company and the fact that I came from the organization, that was pretty easy uh, in terms of what where the company is, where the company wanted to be. Now the challenge is, and then that was probably one of the key things I had to develop is what kind of gaps that you have from the previous role that you were in that you need to develop, you know, to become the CEO of the company. So I, in, in my case, I was already the chief operating officer. So, you know, the day-to-day was pretty well, you know, handled, uh, but I had to develop some of the strategic aspects of the CEO job that I didn't have. So that was my main goal, you know, defining the vision for the company, defining the, the, the cultural boundaries for the company. And those are the things that usually if you step in as a CEO, you're stepping in from, you know, the CEO job that someone was doing and and yeah what you really need to do is to create your own leadership style you can't copy anyone mm-hmm. you got to believe your leadership style and kind of follow it so that's one other uh i guess tip that i would give anyone yeah no that's that's great i think being your authentic self and finding your leadership voice and not trying to imitate what works uh, for others is uh, that I think that is a, an excellent tip. And you talk about strategy and, and one of the original considerations was listing Neoway on B3, which as we mentioned is the Brazilian stock exchange for, for our listeners. Uh, this can also allow companies to list on the American stock exchanges. So how how did you go from being listed on B3 to actually having B3 acquire a Neoway? Yeah, you know, Natalie, it's funny. We say that, you know, going from listing, being listed, being listed to being acquired by B3, it's an interesting take. Yeah. Uh, but we had, I mean, at the end of the day, we, any listings or anything you do is a means to an end, right? So it means to really, uh, reaching your goal. So we had three basically tracks that we were following at the end of uh, 2020, 20, uh, early 2021, basically another round of funding, which was something that was still possible. It was still on the mix. Obviously we had some investors that's been around, they, they've been around for seven years. So obviously some of them wanted to leave. Uh, we had potential IPO, which would give us funding as well as liquidity to shareholders and selling to a, to a strategic player. At the end of the day, B3 was more than uh, what we expected in terms of the strategic player that we wanted close, uh, you know, keeping the company, company's culture really intact and, and really just fueling us to the next uh, stage. But in order to achieve that for anyone that's listening, you know, you can't just decide on, 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 the, on a track like the one we did and then think that it's going to happen overnight. You really need to keep relationships open with multiple investors, multiple players. We were talking to investors, you know, institutional investors. 
we were talking to all stock exchanges in Brazil, and obviously Brazil is only B3, but in the US, NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange as well. We're very close to them. And we've been partners uh, with B3 for many years. Uh, so, you know, these things take time yeah. to develop. And so you got to be out there. You know, as a CEO, one of the things that CEO needs to do, you need to be out there. And eventually, you have so many uh, options in your hand. If you have a you know a pretty solid business like we, we we have in our hands, something will happen and you take the company to the next stage. The next stage is not selling the company itself. The next stage is pursuing the the you know the main ambitious goals of the company. I like that. I like that. And Kaji, you've mentioned culture a couple of times now, and I think I want to pivot there because mergers and acquisitions, they often require the integration of company cultures. And, and sometimes there are two very different cultures coming together. While you're uh, staying independent you know, at the outset, what were some of those early challenges and how did your team address these challenges from a workforce perspective? You know, B3 is not just, uh, uh, you know, uh, an established business this is a 100 year old business. So, wow. uh, it, you know, you would think that the shock would be pretty big and I gotta say we got, I think lucky um, B3 was, you know, knew it's uh, new it's uh, context in, in terms of the, the size of the culture and, and some of the limitations that their culture had. So we got lucky in that sense that, they really set expectations in the early days of the process that they wanted to keep us autonomous as much as possible. So that's one thing that I think for, for listeners, you know, you have to try to set expectations in the early days as much as possible when it comes down, even, even during the process, not even after you close the process, but during the, the, the process itself, you got to talk a lot about what really uh, they want with the company and what their vision is uh, so that you choose the right you know, partner. Uh, B3 was really uh, concerned about retention of our key people. Uh, we have a retention plan that goes beyond execs and reaches 100 people. That's, a, that's unheard of. Uh, so uh, we tried to, as much as possible, uh, not have any really impact, negatively speaking. And I'll give you the results. Uh, we improved our retention 56%. Uh, comparing this period of the first six months of 2022 to the six months uh, of the 2021 year. So people are really uh, happy and excited, not just because of the retention plans and all that kind of stuff, but really because of the vision. You know, we, 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 are, we have a really great vision. Uh, B3 is backing the vision. Um, and I think, you know, for the first uh, time in our life at Niue, we have a really long-term plan settled, you know. So, you know, that's a... Uh, I'd say we got lucky, but but you know, for those that are not that lucky as we are, um, setting expectations early in the process—it's all about expectations. You know, if you don't expect things to you know to be to be perfect, then you won't you know be disappointed. So uh, I think that's key. Yeah, well, that's an amazing retention statistic post merger. It it's, it says a lot, certainly, and I think it, it does have a lot to do with the plans that you put in place. Let me let me ask you a follow-up question because you talked about the plans that you put in place, but it, I think it also has to do with the leaders of the companies that that are merging, you know, the company that's being acquired. So let me ask you, Kadu, what's the secret to having a successful partnership 
with the CEO of your acquirer, in this case, Jusun Finkelstein? That's a great question. I mean, Jusun is a, he's been a really good partner. Uh, uh, and I think he's one of the reasons why this has been successful so far. But there are three things that I'll point out. I think we talked about one already, which is expectations, communication, and transparency. Uh, so for expectations, really understanding the reasons behind the acquisition to its core. Obviously, you have to understand that they bought the company. So it's not like you're just going to do your thing and, and, and just you know give them the results every quarter. No, you really have to be close to why they made the acquisition and, and what their plans were. And they'll, they'll obviously let you run it. We have three uh, strategic goals in the company for the year. Uh, out of the three main strategic goals, two are directly associated with the acquisition. And the one that's not directly associated with the acquisition is just basically us hitting our numbers. Mm-hmm. So everything is really tied to you know why they, they acquired us. Uh, constant communication. I mean, Jusun has a very open, you know, communication channel with uh, with me and, and our company, and we talk very often about the strategy. We have a board meeting on uh, the upcoming Tuesday, um, and and I guess being able to communicate with them uh, is also key for you know the third aspect, which is transparency, which is very key. People are they are uneasy when it comes to things changing, like you know, an acquisition is a big change for everybody. So, you know, being able to discuss everything openly and when you don't know, just say you don't know. Obviously, you can't, if you're not transparent beforehand, you don't build uh, your credibility with your team. No one's going to really believe you afterwards. But obviously, transparency is something that you have to build up even before the acquisition. But when it comes to the acquisition, it's even more important so that people understand that their roles are here. The company is going to be here, you know, for good. The strategy is solid. Uh, so, you know, those those three things are are very important. Expectations, communication, and transparency are key for the success of any transaction like ours. I like it. I like it. Expectations, communications, transparency. Very, very great advice for anyone who's going through this process. And, and I want to switch back now to how Neoway is complementing B3's mission to improve and increase economic growth in Brazil. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, these stock exchanges around the world, they somehow, some of them successfully, some of them not really that successfully have a data and analytics strategy. Uh, B3 already had a data and analytics strategy, but really wanted to, uh, you know, get a fast track on it. So we came in to lead the data and analytics strategy for B3. Uh, and, and, you know, stock exchanges, they see themselves as really serving the market. You know, they, they are there to serve the market uh, for better always, uh, you know, with governance and with intelligence. And, and we are fitting on their strategy for data and analytics uh, within our five use cases, the products, the problems that we solve. Uh, sales and marketing, compliance, legal analysis, credit, and and fraud prevention, B3 uh, enhances uh, our ability to bring in new data sets for our customers within those uh, already, you know, solid use cases. But we're, you know, developing a new uh, vertical called capital markets intelligence, which is basically helping investors make better decisions about the Brazilian landscape, as we did for data in the early days of New Age. Uh, the Brazilian market is not really that well served 
in the capital markets because it's basically dominated by international companies. And the language barrier is a big thing. You know, Portuguese is not spoken by a lot of countries. So um, uh, it's as simple as that. There's a big market for capital markets intelligence. And uh, we're going to be launching a few new products uh, for this market, which is something new for us yeah. uh, by the end of the year. So uh, we're pretty excited. Wow, that that is exciting. I have to say from what, what I've seen, I've been so impressed with the way that Niue is able to help businesses to really navigate and extract insights for discovery of, of various market opportunities through big data analytics, including application of AI. And then I also have to say that I've been impressed with what Niue's done in terms of putting out and collaborating on studies, looking at things like the Brazilian tech sector. And, and even late last year, I saw the study you put out on ESG. And mm -hmm. I was particularly interested in that study where our next season is going to be dedicated to really focusing on ESG initiatives. So it is it is impressive and exciting to see what what your company's uh, been doing, uh, particularly, I would say, in in this this last year. We are excited, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, on our podcast, and you've already shared some amazing tips with our listeners. We we do like to share those practical tips with founders and leaders and. I guess for you, Kadu, considering the journey that you've been on, what do you think has created your staying power at Neoway or uh, I guess loyalty to the company for, for nearly 10 years now? You know, I think about that a lot every time that I look back on, on you know, how far we've gotten and trying to really learn from it, right? Uh, and so I think the two key things first, uh, you, you know, when we talked about this throughout the conversation that we already had, is being really close to the customer and to your people. Sometimes you don't have to solve uh, problems with the highest technology. You just have to solve the right problem. And to solve the right problem, you need to talk to the customer. So we do not underestimate the power of that. And then in order to build a culture uh, that is really bottom-up and not top-down culture that, that's scalable because it doesn't depend on a single individual, you have to be very close to your people. Especially, you know, when you're building the specific as aspects of the culture that are, you know, the early stages, you got to talk to your people. You got to talk to your people and you have to talk to your people again. Uh, because eventually we become kind of uh, really only strategic when you're transitioning from the early stages where you're really operational, you solve the problems yourself to, you know, other people solving the problem. And then you have to define the boundaries of, of the culture. I guess one of the things that I also believe in, things take time to develop. If you stay long enough, you know, in a problem, eventually you're going to be successful. If you're obviously resilient and you're pursuing the right issues and problems, uh, the problem is that a lot of people, you know, are anxious and, and they want things in the short term. And, Short term is no good. You really have to believe in the long term, in the long run. You know, you're gonna have challenges, uh, and when you over, once you overcome them, then um, you're good to go, and you develop the next stage of the company. Companies take time, relationships take time to develop. It's no different for personal relationships than it is to corporate relationships. So that's uh, basically customer people and belief. Time will, will will take you there. 
Yeah, no more, more marathon than than sprint. And one thing I, one of our founder guests said was that for him it was really learning how to take smaller steps faster and recognizing that it was you know quite the long journey. Okay, well, uh, gosh, sadly we are at the end of our podcast. Kadu, we'd like to end by telling an, a fun fact about ourselves, a story, anything you like. I'll start by sharing that my favorite New Year's Eve celebration was on the top of Sugarloaf overlooking Huge Janeiro. I see. I, I'm always trying to say it the way that you say it in Brazil, but it's not, it's not Rio de Janeiro the way we say it. It's more like Huge Janeiro. Can you say it for our audience? You know, Rio de Janeiro. But, you know, if you go, you know, Brazilians will say it differently. There's so many uh, different dialects almost here in Brazil that you'll listen to it differently. So, oh, well, that's another that's another fun fact. But it truly was an unforgettable experience. Um, what can you share with our listeners? You know, we, we talked uh, before you and I and, and uh, the fun fact that I had was that I'm from Brazil and I've never been to the Sugarloaf. So. Uh, there we are. You know, that's one of those things. You're from the place and you never go, but you're missing out. So you don't enjoy as much as you should. Yeah. Well, well, that's on your, that should be on your bucket list then. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, since it's 1.8 billion Ice acquisition in late 2021, NeoA has continued setting its sights on building a great data infrastructure for Brazilian companies and for companies worldwide. And we are excited to see what's next for this company. Thank you so much, Kadu. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks a lot, Natalie. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you as well. <laughs> and thanks everyone for joining us. You've just listened to the Future Work Playbook. This podcast series is brought to you by Gunderson Detmer, the world's number one law firm representing venture capital funds and high growth companies. Join Natalie Pierce on our next episode as she and her guests help prepare your organization for the future. Please subscribe to the Future Work Playbook.